Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host of CBS Sports' Daily NFL Podcast. Um, if you like Daily Podcast, by the way, and you're prepping for your fantasy drafts, you should definitely be checking out Fantasy Football Today, our uh, daily fantasy podcast featuring Adam Azer as host. He's not a benevolent commissioner, but he is a good fantasy football uh, host. Dave Richard, Jamie Eisberg, and Heath Cummings. Um, Chris Towers, Ben Gretsch, pop on there. It's a great crew, smart, sleepers, bust, breakouts, draft prep. If you want to know what to do from every possible pick, that's your go-to place. Make sure to subscribe to Fantasy Football Today, uh, iTunes, or Apple Podcast, uh, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcast. And by the way, if you want advice from me, not that I'm as smart as those guys, but as I pointed out last year, and as I always point out, my DMs are open and my email is open. You can DM me on Twitter uh, or Instagram, both at Will Brinson, or you can send an email at, to willbrinson at gmail.com. If you have a fantasy football question before your draft, keeper stuff, uh, strategy, whatever it is, I will answer it. You will get a personalized note from me that it will probably be, uh, in fact, I feel like the majority of people who actually reach out are either, either surprised by the response or like, whoa, this is a little more conversation than I wanted to have about this fantasy football strategy, buddy. But thanks. Um, this is nerd week. Excited for it. Uh, coming up after I break through, break down some news. We will have, um, Andy Benoit of si.com slash DMMQB. Good friend, longtime friend. Um, we're going to talk, we're going to break down. Ryan Wilson and I talked to him last week, recorded it ahead of time, and we'll break down a bunch of film stuff, questions about that. Um, right now I'm going to run through a bunch of news. Man, I mean, there's just a ton of leftover news. So what happened was we did a separate Antonio Brown po- podcast. That's already up. If you're, if you're listening to this, you may have already heard that one. If you want to go listen to the Antonio Brown podcast and you're listening to this one first, please do download them both. Two Monday shows. Um, this week we're going to have Aaron Schatz, Warren Sharp, Josh Hersmeyer, and, uh, the boys from Pro Football Focus as well. Those, those shows will be coming out later this week. Basically it's an analytics slash film focused week. So excited for that. There's so much news that I might, if I miss anything, here's what I would recommend. That you go to CBSSports.com and check out Sean Wagner's piece on uh, takeaways or Jeff Kerr's week one takeaways. Or maybe, here's even the best thing that you could do. Go to CBSSports.com slash newsletters slash pick dash six. Or just CBSSports.com slash newsletters, plural, with the S. Um, and then click on the, the pick six link. We will send out, we send out a daily email with the most important NFL stories, you're basically getting, yeah, it's, it's cultivated by editors, writers, everybody at CBSSports.com. We're making sure you get the best NFL stories. It's the Pick 6 newsletter. So if you like this podcast, go subscribe to that newsletter and you'll get the best takeaways. Um, you know, you'll get a breakdown of whatever we're running through on the pod every day, et cetera, et cetera. Please check that out and subscribe. Um, if you do that, it would be a big help. Oh, and also... um, I'm not sure when this contest ends, but go to sportsline.com and use promo code Brinson and sign up for it. And you get your first month for a buck. And if you do that and I don't tell anybody else, but I get something cool. If, um, if, 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 if I, if I, if I get the most, if I push the most subscriptions. So everybody listens to this podcast, go to sportsline.com and join and use promo code Brinson and let's win. Let's win me the prize. For the, between the writers, I'll share it with you guys somehow. I don't know how the hell we're going to do that, but let's win me the prize by showing that we can send the most people to sign up for Sports Sign through the Pick Six podcast. And that will, like, I'm not even going to tweet about it. I'm just going to say this and like, this is how we'll push it. And maybe we'll lose. Maybe we'll win. Who knows? Um, I will share that prize with you if I get it. Uh, all right. On to the news very quickly. I know that nobody wants me, um, Blabbering on for 30 minutes before we get to Benoit. Uh, the Vikings traded for the Ravens backup kicker. Kare Vedvik was, seriously, this is a real NFL headline, was traded from the Ravens to the Vikings for a 2025th round pick. Uh, ESPN.com reported it's the first time in 20 years a team has given up compensation for a kicker. And this almost feels like the Vikings were willing to um, gamble on Vedvik, who's kicked very well in the preseason, Bail on Dan Bailey, uh, and, and do it all just to spite the Bears, who were also interested in trading for Vedrick. Of course, Vedvik. I like Vedvik. Uh, he's from Norway. Of course, the, um, 
The, the Vikings have Justin Tucker. They don't need Vedvik. They were looking to deal him because they want to get something in return. And, uh, and they did. Good for the Vikings. Bad for the Bears. Good for the Ravens. A quick Antonio Brown update. Friend of the program, Brian McCarthy, the NFL PR, head of NFL PR, tweeted that the player, the player can't practice or play in games with equipment that's not approved. If he doesn't play or practice, he's in breach of his contract and doesn't get paid. NFL policy is that helmets have to be certified by NOSCA. N-O-S-C-A-E. It's an abbreviation for something. They don't certify equipment that's older than 10 years. So Antonio Brown potentially facing a situation where he couldn't get paid. We might have mentioned that on the Antonio Brown podcast. Go check out that for all things Antonio Brown. Too much to get into here. Tony Pollard. Talking preseason. Tony Pollard has impressed for the Cowboys. Uh, just four carries, 16 yards in the preseason. Jeff Kerr pointed out Cowboys might need Ezekiel Elliott, but then it's like hilarious when you read these quotes from uh, everybody in the Cowboys, like Dak Prescott or Jason Garrett. He's someone who continues to play fast. He doesn't look like he's not playing to his speed because he is thinking too much. I guess that's a compliment from Jason Garrett. Um, Steven Jones said, Tony Pollard's done a real nice job out there. He's getting a little bit of everything. He's probably the one that stuck out to me if I were going to pick one. Talking about running backs. And now, Jerry Jones, after the preseason game, I certainly thought he had a good account of himself. He looks confident out there. We know he's inordinately understanding what he doesn't can do, Jerry. We've seen him do it. We know he's capable of it. If he really needs to, carry the whole load. In other words, we don't need Zeke back, but you do. Uh, Dak Prescott was also... um complimentary and said that Pollard was one of the most exciting players to me of this training camp. We'll see. It's, it's thou dost protest a bit much, everybody. Uh, Tom Brady was asked on WEEI on Monday morning about not including the franchise tag, the Patriots ability to franchise tag him in his contract and said via PFT, those are some personal feelings and there's lots of personal conversations I've had that really aren't for other people's knowledge. I think what this is about is this season and dealing with this year. Beyond this year, whether it's signing five more years or signing a franchise tag or not playing, none of those things needed to be decided this year. I think what it was was focusing on this season and being in the right mental, emotional frame of mind to go out there and perform at my highest level. This is, it's, it's a little weird with Brady and maybe it's just, maybe this is how it has to be because he's at the end of his, end of his career. I don't know, but I mean, little, lot, of, lot of things being said. I guess once the football gets here, everybody will settle down and, and deal with it. But um, the contract issue does at least seem to be, I don't know. I mean, like Brady's got the, the – they're both in weird spots. Like Brady can't be franchise tagged. He'll become a free agent. I mean, he could, he, could, he could leave and stick the Patriots in the big old cap hit if he wanted to be a real jerk about it. And the Patriots could sign somebody else if they wanted to be jerks about it. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um Two unfortunate incidents entirely unrelated um, over the weekend. Uh, Cardinals executive Ron Miniger was cited for DUI over the weekend. That is, uh, he is not the first Cardinals executive. Um, GM Steve Kime, of course, last offseason arrested as well. Uh, not a, an ideal situation. The Cardinals called it inexcusable uh, and presumably will take uh, action, as will the NFL, depending on what plays out with that. Uh, tragic news out of, out of Pittsburgh. Steelers wide receiver coach Daryl Drake died over the weekend horrible to have that happen to uh you know a, a, i mean like right before the season starts a guy a guy you know that heavily involved you know with the team we're not talking about um you know a guy he's just 62 years old and there was a uh an outpouring of love as the steelers.com site noted um for a man who touched many uh in the nfl there's a great story on nfl on cbssports.com right now as well with uh how the nfl uh you know from brian diardo Basically, NFL players mourning a guy that that made a huge impact on a lot of lives. So thoughts and prayers are with him, uh, everyone with the Steelers organization, and and, and all of his friends and family in in a very difficult time. In in less um, in in more transactional news, the Lions. Uh, we have a bunch of you know a bunch of different stuff injuries at this time. Of course, crop up as well. The Lions uh, signed Josh Johnson. As a backup quarterback and activated Trey Flowers. That's big news of the free agent signing from this offseason. The Jaguars could potentially be without Marquise Lee, one of their top wide receivers, and Cam Robinson, a top offensive lineman for their week one opener, aka Nick Foles debut. That is not good. And uh, Theo Riddick, recently signed by the Broncos, is having shoulder surgery and will miss the start of the season. Good news for Philip Lindsay, fantasy owners, and or Royce Freeman. Uh, Theo Riddick won't cut into that, that receiving share uh, just quite yet. From the preseason. Whew. Man, tried to blitzkrieg through this new stuff, guys. Uh, 
Chiefs looked like the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was incredible. The defense was bad. Miko Hardman on your radar had a carry for a touchdown. And Darwin Thompson, man, this offense has a crazy amount of speed. Great write-up uh, from Sean Wagner McGuff um, on the website right now about everything that happened in that game. Worth noting that Andy Dalton drove the Bengals 75 yards on 14 plays for a touchdown and uh, also had a terrible underthrow on a, on a wide receiver. Uh, Jalen Hurd for the 49ers. Two touchdowns scored with Trent Taylor probably missing uh, a good chunk of the season without the whole season. Uh, it's worth noting that Hurd uh, had 96% of his snaps at Baylor last year from the slot. And uh, in Raiders quarterback news, Mike Lennon picked off twice by the Rams. The Rams didn't play their starters, which is sort of a trend around the league. Nathan Peterman had a 51-yard run that set up a first and goal. Peterman and, and my boy Mike Glennon battling for that backup spot. Urgh, go Glennon, go. Can't have Mike Glennon losing to Nate Peterman. That's bad for my brand. Um, Christian Wade, former rugby player, 63-yard touchdown run on his very first carry of his career, of his NFL career. Exciting stuff there. Again, we have every single night that there are preseason games, a takeaways breakdown. And, uh, coming out of week two this weekend, we'll probably do a, you know, a, a Monday recap where we do a full set of takeaways. Of course, this is the daily podcast. You should subscribe to it, rate it and review it. If you have a, uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, anything, any question that is asked on iTunes, I wouldn't ask you fantasy questions there. DM me or email me. But if, if you have, if you have a random question about life, uh, football for this season. We'll probably do a mailbag show uh, to get all those questions cleared out before the season starts. Leave a five-star review. Any question asked will eventually be answered. Let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll get to Andy Benoit and Ryan Wilson on the other side. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, to kick off Nerd Week, and we say that in a loving way, we are all nerds. I'm a football nerd. Ryan Wilson's a football nerd. And you know who's a big-time football nerd? One of our good friends, Andy Benoit of uh, si.com slash dmmqb.com. I don't I don't know exactly what your job title is. Senior NFL analyst will give you that title. Um, you feel free to add it to your business card. Andy, it, uh, it's been too long, buddy. What's going on? Hey, it's great to hear from you guys. Guess where I am? I'm in Parsippany, New Jersey. Have you ever heard of Parsippany, New Jersey? No, I'm not going to lie and tell you yes. So no. Are you in it, uh, yeah. Andy? I, you know, no, I'm, I was with, I've been with the Jets, but I had something in New York this week and I can't, I, I, I feel old and cranky every time I go into New York City. It's just so damn loud and noisy and fast and it just, <laughs> it's getting worse every time. So I, I thought I need to stay like outside of it in a small town. <laughs> So I picked this one at random, 
and there's like a Sheraton that's built like a castle out here. It's not middle of nowhere, but it's pretty, you know, it's, it's, you don't know you're near New York, New York city at all. And guess who I saw in the hotel lobby about an hour ago? Adam Gase. Uh, uh, no, I want my guess too. Uh, Robert De Niro. Uh, well, okay, that's right. Uh, no on Wilson, and then uh, Will. I appreciate you guessing a much bigger, better name than what I'm going to reveal, which diminishes the story from here sorry, on out. Sorry. I saw Zion Williamson. Oh no, that's so huge. That's big. And and all the NBA rookies, like the whole NBA rookie class, is here taking their picture for sports trading cards or something like that in this middle of nowhere hotel in Jersey. Did you see a? Uh... A shorter gentleman with giant, uh, sideshow bob-like hair, cause that was my son's favorite basketball player, Kobe White. <laughs> I will, uh, I will keep my eyes peeled for him. He has glorious. Or I've, or I've seen him seven times already and I don't know it. That's probably so. Okay, you'll... He's, sure. he's six five. Well, he's not Zion Williamson size. Right. I mean, he's a point guard. No, he's not, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's big for the, uh, basketball. By the way, Andy Benoit has the best travel stories. Uh huh, absolutely. I, I still tell people the story about his senior bowl escapades four or five <laughs> years ago. And, uh, now Precipitate, New Jersey, put it on the map for your travel destinations, folks. If, if you asked me to, if, if somebody was like, hey, I want a list of your 10 favorite stories you've ever been told by something like that, you know, that didn't happen to you. That is, that's making the list and it's high up on the list. So, uh, we, we can actually talk, uh, bizarre travel stories all day if we wanted. But Andy, uh, we have lots of football questions for you. And since you were with the Jets, and I'm going to assume that you, uh, 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 migrated from pars, pars, parsnippity, whatever the hell it is to, um, <laughs> to MetLife, to MetLife Stadium on Thursday night. Would that be a correct assumption? You know, I actually, I, I, I bailed on it, oh. uh, cause I've got, I'm up against deadlines here and it was 40 minutes drive there and I'd just been in the traffic. So I, I was at the Jets facility for a few days in Florham Park. Okay. Well, that's fine. Well, we have a question. I, we had a question written out for you. It's, it was, but Ryan was going to ask it, but I'm going to steal it like I told him I would. Uh, if you had to pick one quarterback right now, uh, in the upper, in the Northeast area, would you go with Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, or Daniel Jones? And, uh, and, and why would Ooh. you go in that direction? And I should, should note too, I didn't want to add Baker Mayfield to that list because I think it would easily be Baker, but Ryan, uh, thought Baker should be included in that, in that debate. Well, I, I, so I agree with it would easily be Baker. I am yeah. big on Baker Mayfield and I did not necessarily think I would be, but I, I, I'm high on him. Darnold to me is the easy answer out of, out of the three you gave though. And it's, uh, we have to remember, Troy Aikman said this best a few years ago, guys, on a broadcast. If a quarterback can't put the ball where he wants to put the ball, if he's not accurate, then all these other attributes we talk about become pointless. Because if the ball can't go where it's trying to go or where it needs to go, then nothing else matters. And that's the concern I have with Josh Allen. I think he's a tremendous player. I think he can be very similar to Cam Newton stylistically. I think they're very similar already. I think he can maybe be a little better than Cam, but we're still talking about an inaccurate passer. Daniel Jones is a mystery to me, obviously. Darnold I like a lot. He's an on-the-move thrower, but he's not dependent on that. He can operate from the pocket. He's very smart. He's very decisive when his initial read is open. All of those things work really well in an Adam Gase offense. So, uh, Andy, you are very singularly focused when it comes to football, and you have been for as long as I've known you, which is eight or nine years now. Uh, similar to that is Adam Gase. <laughs> we hear stories about you know leaving his wife moments after she has birth for a meeting with Peyton Manning, which seems sort of insane. We saw the and, and he said and he said, "Are we done here? Or like, are we are right. we good here?" It was just a very <laughs> like he's like he's talking to his dentist. Uh, we, we saw the introductory yeah. press conferences. We're looking at tacos, and and then last night we saw him uh, on Thursday night uh, sniffing the ammonia to get pumped up for the game, which is a thing, I guess, but. My question is this. Is he a good fit? Because he's supposed to be, quote-unquote, a genius. Peyton said he's the smartest person he's ever worked with. The Dolphins teams weren't great, and it wasn't all his fault. But is he capable of turning around the Jets? I feel like Sam Darnold's a good fit for him because Sam Darnold's a good quarterback. And how does Le'Veon fit into everything they want to do? Yeah, uh, I think I think Gates is a good fit. I, he needs smart players. And my guess, I, I've not asked him this. He'd tell me if I, I would ask him, but my guess is, one of the challenges he's had throughout his life is dealing with people who are not as smart as him and being patient and being a patient teacher because he does process information and see things like probably no one I've met. I mean, he's up there. He's certainly on the same level as McVay and Shanahan and some of those other young offensive coaches 
for just football brilliance. So that's one thing to have that. It's another to communicate it. I think he does a really nice job of communicating it. And I think when you give him a smart leader or two, uh, we're talking his players now, like obviously when he had Peyton Manning, it was very good. That, that brings out the best in him, as it would in just about anybody. But that brings him especially to a higher level. So Darnold, I think, does check those boxes for him. We probably don't know for sure because Darnold's so young, but the style fits. The guy who I know does check those boxes, though, because Gase has said this, is Le'Veon Bell. He is really, really impressed with Bell's football IQ. And I think I, I don't want to say it's a pleasant surprise for him, but the degree of Bell's football intelligence, I think, is a little surprising. Uh, no, I mean, look, the thing about Le'Veon Bell that sort of fly, has flown under the radar since he became a rapper um, is that he's a ta- he's kind of a tape grinder. Like I remember, we did um, in the at the 2013 Super Bowl uh, when it was up in New York. Uh, Bell was a rookie and he was doing the rounds, and you know he was a what was it, a second round pick, you know, out of out of Michigan State. You know, he wasn't a huge name, but he came and sat with us, and he and he told me that more than anything, he wanted to be an analyst when he got done playing football, and he loved to grind on tape. And I, it's it's kind of I think that persona, Andy, is kind of lost from what we see as this, you know, uh, you know, what we saw from the guy writing jet skis in Miami and releasing rap albums as he's announcing. Um, so, so maybe there, maybe there was a pleasant surprise for Adam Gase. How, how close is this team? If Darnold takes a leap and if Le'Veon Bell is that, uh, dynamic pass catching, uh, route running, uh, you know, a backfield guy that he, that he was for Pittsburgh, how close is this team to to A, being a playoff squad, and B, being able to push, dare I say, the New England Patriots. Yeah, and those are two very different things. I don't yes, think they're yes, within they arm's length of New England yet, but I do think they could be a fringe playoff contender right now. Their defense needs a little bit of upgrading. They don't have a lot of answers in the secondary, at least not at cornerback, and they probably need an edge rusher or two because Greg Williams really likes to play cover two. And if you're going to play cover two, your front four has to get home. And that almost in the NFL, that almost always means uh, having someone who can come off the edge. And they really don't have that guy. But it's it's a better team than what we would guess. I think they're going to get called a pleasant surprise this year because they're going to be in the conversation and in the race for much of the season. And to me, that shouldn't be super surprising. It's a better roster than it appears to be. Hey, Andy, you were talking about Adam Gase and sort of needing great players despite the fact that he's super smart and a really good coach. And you talked about Sean McVay, who has players in Los Angeles and sort of didn't have the players in Washington as the OC and did a good job. You talked about Kyle Shanahan, who lost his quarterback last year. I was thinking about this a few weeks ago. We know that Bill Belichick's only in the Hall of Fame. We know that he's fantastic. But I feel like pre-Tom Brady, he was a good coach, very good coach in Cleveland, not a great coach. If he doesn't have Tom Brady the last 20 years – we're having a different conversation. I feel like Tom Brady is more important to that success in that relationship than Bill Belichick, which might sound like sacrilege. I want to, what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, that's a good it's – it's a great discussion. I had this conversation with Greg Cosell at NFL Films a few uh, months ago now, but I don't think we got it. We, we talked about what's more important, a franchise QB or a head coach, and that's basically what we're asking here because you just named the most successful franchise QB and most successful coach. The conclusion that we came to and that, uh, that certainly I came to, I think the head coach narrows, narrowly edges that out. But that it, it's a tight race, and obviously I don't think New England has six titles if Brady's not the quarterback. But I don't know if they have six titles if Belichick's not the head coach either. It, it's a hard one to answer, though, guys. Uh, elsewhere in the AFC, uh, there's this um, – and, and this is – Gosh, I, like I don't want to. It's hard to sort of dive into this one, but um, because it, you know, because it's sort of fluid. But uh, Derek Carr and uh, the Oakland Raiders are dealing with Antonio Brown, and I'm curious if you think that uh, Antonio Brown can be a difference maker, or if you believe that he has crossed in so far deep into crazy town. Uh, the Raiders, as we're speaking, Andy, this just came out a few minutes ago, but report, and we record, recording this on Friday just so people know. So if Antonio Brown magically shows up and the Raiders know where he is and his feet are healed, uh, ignore this. But, uh, currently they, they have, they, they have quote, no clue where he is and he's, they have no real explanation according to this report as to what the hell happened to his feet and why they're all burnt to a crisp. Uh, any thoughts as to whether or not the Raiders could, um, you know, 
like, can they make it, can they take a step on offense? Do you buy into Derek Carr? Uh, what do you think about the weapons that they've given Paul Gunther on defense? Just what's your sort of sense of the state of the Raiders? Uh, I think the, the fact that the story we're reading is kind of, I think it's representative of the state of the Raiders a little bit. And the car is, he, here's how Derek Carr needs them. So we're doing nerd week, right? So can I get football nerdy on this? That is, that is, here? that is what we want you to do. Deep dive nerd. All right. I think Derek Carr is a type of quarterback that needs, so he'd be great in a gay system, for example, because he mm. needs his reads defined quickly early in the down. And he's a comfortable passer. He's a very talented thrower when he's comfortable. The problem is when you go out and get an Antonio Brown, you're, you're paying for Brown and Tyrell Williams is the same way, by the way, the other guy they got from the chargers, those guys win at the deeper intermediate levels. They win on big routes, post patterns, go routes, improvised routes. If you get outside the pocket, Brown's always very good at uncovering. You have to be, if you're going to produce with Roethlisberger, that style of wide receiver play doesn't match up to a quarterback that needs to have the ball out quickly and find a rhythm that way. I'm not saying you can't throw the ball quickly to Brown. We know the Steelers did a ton of receiver screens, but that's no foundation to your offense. So I don't know if the type of receivers they put around Carr necessarily match the type of QB he is, because really the only throw that he looks comfortable making early in the down, or excuse me, that he looks comfortable making downfield are seam balls. And if you think about a seam ball, that's the only downfield throw you make that comes early in the down. You drop back, you quickly throw the seam because the guy is lined up already in the seam, so the route does not take very long. He doesn't have to change directions. When you make Carr hold the ball by design, he, he becomes a little bit of a different QB, and there were a lot of times last year where he just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't hold the ball by design. He'd get the ball out before the route fully uh, unfolded. That drives John Gruden crazy, but that's the type of quarterback they have. So, Andy, a thousand yards over under on AB's production this year. Uh, am I also guessing if he's around or not? Then, yeah, let's say he's there for fifteen, sixteen games. Yeah, if he's there for that, he'll have over a thousand. He's a talented player. He's an extremely talented player. Um, the number, I don't know though if he's the type of guy whose production necessarily will always reflect your offense. So he might have over a thousand yards, but that doesn't mean you had a good passing game necessarily. Uh, let's talk about the Antonio Brown's previous team, my Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) Shocker. Shocker. And Brinson's all over the Steelers this year, which, uh, pains me to, uh, I feel like it's, uh, reverse jinx. Sure. Understandable. So I want to get your thoughts, Andy, on the offense without AB, without Le'Veon Bell. We saw the success they had with James Conner in terms of the not missing Le'Veon, but losing AB is a huge, Huge problem. Um, I don't. I mean, I've seen you tweet. You're not crazy about Dante Moncrief, and clearly that's because he's basically a journeyman. Um, but they have James Washington, and they have Vance McDonald tied in. And, and I just want to get your thoughts on what they're doing offensively, and what, if anything, Devin Bush brings as that first round pick in the middle of the defense. Yeah, well, let me, we can touch on Bush real quick because I think anyone who's watched the Steelers the last few years can tell that they have not been the same defense without Ryan Shazier. For sure. And having that speed and yeah, and that, that speed in the middle of the field like that, especially in passing downs, you know, they were really weak in pass coverage inside. They got to what got them beat against Jacksonville in the playoffs a few years ago. And that was a hindrance to them last year. They started playing with a bunch of safeties, only kept one linebacker on the field. And that's really not the way the Steelers are built to play. They want to be a nickel defense and at least have two linebackers out there in passing downs. So Bush gives them that, and they sign Mark Barron as well, which tells you they're really committed to finding pass coverage linebackers. As far as that offense, it's interesting, guys, because that's not a highly schemed offense. That's another one that they kind of spread out. They run a lot of ISO routes. When they do get the ball out quickly, it tends to be on screens, and a lot of their production comes from Roethlisberger extending plays late into the down, which is, in their case, it's fine because he's one of the really great guys of all time at doing that. But in order to play that way, most teams need really talented skill position players. You need a Le'Veon Bell or an Antonio Brown. Now, I think Juju Smith-Schuster's in that top tier of receivers. I think he's a top 10 wideout. The question then is, is that enough? Because they're not going to change the offense, not at this point in Roethlisberger's career. They're going to keep playing the way they play. One thing I do like, you mentioned James Conner, Ryan, they do a great job of creating passing yards for their running back. And this is probably why they felt they could get away with letting Bell leave and putting Connor in there, that when they do go to designer plays, 
a lot of times their routes attack the second level of the defense. So they come at linebackers with crossing routes and they lift the linebackers and create space underneath for the running back. And they do that as well as just about any team in football. So there are a lot of available receiving yards there for the back by design. And that's something that can keep you on schedule offensively. And that kind of thing can mask some of your other deficiencies as well, because you're basically gaining yards even if the offense isn't playing in rhythm. So I'm optimistic on the Steelers, and I do think it's addition by subtraction with Brown because he's such a nutcase. But it's not (laughs) an overly talented offense overall. All right, so you sort of spoke to what my theory on how Pittsburgh's offense is going to unfold. And, Andy, here's the problem is that people accuse me of being a homer. But I really do think that they're going to put James Conner out there, and they're going to put – it's not going to be Dante Moncrief. It's not going to be, it might be some James Washington, some Moncrief, and then, some, um, yeah, uh, oh gosh, who's the third round pick they got, Ryan, with the Antonio Brown trade? Deontay Johnson, who's actually looked really good in camp lately. I, I wanted to call him Deshaun Hamilton. It's been a long day. Um, at any rate, uh, my theory, Andy, is that Jalen Samuels is going to soak up targets in the pass game, and so is Vance McDonald, and that they're going to use those guys to supplement the loss of Antonio Brown and to keep defenses honest against Juju Smith-Schuster. Do you think that is a viable theory? I think it's a genius theory. It sounds like a Will Brinson theory to me. It's, it's yeah, I do. It's Suck it, Ryan. And <laughs> because of what we just talked about with how they used their running backs. And then one thing I noted, I went through my Steeler film notes from last year, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things I'd written somewhere along the way about McDonald is he's not just a tight end who's trucking people this year. He is, he's a more advanced player. He has refined his game. He's never going to be a Travis Kelsey type, of course. He's never going to be close to that level, but he has developed into a quality. I would even say all around tight end for them. I don't know if you build plays for McDonald, but he's a viable starting wide receiver type of tight end for them. Pass catching receiver who can also block some. Uh, elsewhere. Two words, two words for Andy for that assessment, the Steelers, my man. <laughs> I love that. I love that, my man. My, my, I have people send me gifs of Denzel Washington saying, my man, uh, <laughs> because I think he's so cool. And he says, and to wrap it all up on the Steelers, I finally met Mike Tomlin for the first time this year at the Senior Bowl. And as we were leaving, you know, hey, Steeler coach, he yelled across the room, my man. No! And that was the best I've ever felt in my life. Wow. You told me that story. Uh, I saw oh, you. did I tell you that story? <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. That's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I love it. I, I didn't want to name your source in case you were trying to keep it on, uh, keep it quiet, but you named it, so I love that. I, I was, I was under the impression when Ryan said two words and, and you just finished talking about Vance McDonald or like uh, a big play that he's either going to say Chris Conti or yeah. Playmaker, uh, which is my other favorite story. That's the other thing. I, you know, I, I told people that story too, and that's the other, uh, honest to goodness, that's the thing I get the second most gifts about is the Playmaker thing where people pointing at me. Just so people know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, God, what was this? Indianapolis? Is this the Indy Super Bowl? 2012, January 2012. Yeah, and um, Andy saw uh, Michael Irvin and just gave him a playmaker and two finger guns. <laughs> and that's not what guns. I did. Is that, <laughs> that's what Ryan says. I pointed you did. and said, uh, "Yeah, no, it turned into that when I told you guys about it. You know this damn well." I pointed at Michael Irvin to get his attention. Said, "Hey, playmaker, do you want to just introduce myself?" And then I went back and told you, and by the time you were done making fun of me, it had turned into like a, like a swirling two-gun salute of playmaker pointing at Michael Irvin. Yeah. Randy, I mean, Andy in a three-piece suit coming in playmaker with two guns. Right. You're right. We did distort that. I forgot about that. Um, all right. Elsewhere in the AFC North, I'm curious uh, what you think. A, and I'm asking you a lot of two-part questions, but you're handling with the, the, the aplomb, I would expect. Uh, a, John Harbaugh says that he expects uh, Lamar Jackson to go way over the 140 carry mark or whatever Cam Newton set, which obviously he is. He went over the 140 mark last year, and he he's a part-time player. Uh, and B, is is Lamar Jackson a functional and viable solution for the, the Baltimore Ravens in this Greg Roman offense in 2019? Uh, I I think he is. I don't know how many carries he'll get. You have to remember, Lamar Jackson's a very different body type than Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah. And when a quarterback's running, yes, what matters is the way they fall. So it's not just how many hits they take. 
It's do they let themselves get hit by the ground? Russell Wilson never gets hit by the ground, and he's been healthy his whole career. Robert Griffin got destroyed by the ground anytime he took off and ran, and it ruined his career. So they have to work with Lamar Jackson along those lines. It's, it's James Urban, their QB coach. It'll be his responsibility. Urban has coached Michael Vick before, and he's a great communicator, so I hope it works out. But that's, you know, you're playing with fire a little bit by running Lamar that much, but. If you're playing with Lamar, you need to be running him that much because that's what makes him valuable. That's why he's on the field for you. I think he'll fit the offense of Roman because Roman, remember that that same year that you guys, well, I was later that year, I guess it's about 11 months later after you uh, slandered me over the playmaker thing, Greg <laughs> Roman took Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl. It was that's the right. Niners building an offense around Kaepernick's legs. They're going to do the same thing with Jackson. And what you love about it's a lot of moving pieces. It's not just that the quarterback can run. They use pull blockers. They use sift blockers or tight ends crossing the formation. They'll release guys out into space and present them as a moving piece and make you force defenders out there to guard nobody. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors in the running game. They did well with it last year. They're not going to be as dominant this year because teams have seen it, but they're also going to have some stuff that teams haven't seen. So that's Baltimore's approach, and then it's just a matter of whether that'll be good enough. I don't think their defense is as strong so I don't know if that approach on offense will be good enough, but that's that's the, clearly the best way for them to play. Andy, I want to go to Chicago, and uh, this is another two-part question because, uh, as Brinson pointed out, you're crushing it with the two-parters. <laughs> um, this was a hypothetical I put to Brinson uh, on the podcast earlier in the week, and I want to get your thoughts. The Bears' kicking situation is dog doo-doo, and if you're the Bears, you're Ryan Pace, and say the Ravens call you and say, we will give you Justin Tucker for a second-round pick, would you do that? Oh man, um, I don't, I, I don't know. I see. If I the problem is, if I'm Ryan Pace, I probably see us as Super Bowl contenders. Andy right. Benoit doesn't see him as Super Bowl contenders, though. Ooh. So it's it's hard to say. I, I, I guess if I'm Ryan Pace, probably because if we're contenders, and that means two things: one, the kicker could be the difference, and two, our second round picks probably a late second rounder. So maybe I would do that. But again, I don't. I think the Bears guys. And it's, uh, I think they're going to take a step back this year. I don't think that's the same defense as a year ago. Well, I, w- I would love to get a follow-up on that because I, I wrote that they were a team that could definitely regress. They had a lot of luck in terms of uh, one-score games. Um, they led you know, 27 friggin' interceptions, which led the league by a mile. They lose, they lose Bryce Callahan. Um, you know, they lose Adrian Amos. And maybe most importantly, they lose Vic Fangio. How okay, – is is the offense and Mitchell Trubisky and those weapons capable of taking a step forward enough uh, in order to counteract what you think the defense will step back? And, like, what's the difference we're looking at in terms of Chuck Pagano and Vic Fangio running that defense? Yeah, I, I, the offense I don't think is quite at that level yet, and a lot of it comes down to Trubisky, and it's a big year for him. They did not ask a lot of him last year, though, which coaches tell you how they feel about their guys by what they ask them to do. Now, they, they, we could also argue that they didn't need Trubisky to do a lot either. So why fill his plate when you can bring him along at a more comfortable pace? But we'll find out this year. As far as the question about Fangio and Chuck Pagano, and they're both excellent coaches. I think Fangio is the hardest coach in the NFL to play against, hardest defensive play caller. What he does that's so difficult, they play two deep zone looks. They match up out of the zone, so it's man-to-man principles within the zone. They have different match rules that we could get into, but we're going to get caught in the weeds if we do. Just suffice (laughs) it to say, it's hard to understand the match rules on the fly, but it's two deep zone looks. They're very blurry, so you're not quite sure what kind of zone it is because those safeties and linebackers move around just ever so much. And when you factor all that in and then add a Khalil Mack, who's getting to the quarterback quickly, that's where you get the interceptions. The ball comes out mm. off schedule for the offense against a, a blurry, unpredictable look. What Chuck Pagano does is try to overwhelm you with pressure. So instead of blurry zone coverage, he plays man-to-man because almost every blitz in the NFL or really any level has man-to-man principles behind it. It has to. And he's going to bring fast pressure to you. That's a very different style of approach. It's not as it's not going to create as many turnovers because man-to-man defenders don't get as many turnovers. Their eyes are on the man, not the ball. But the other thing is I think it's going to expose those bare cornerbacks. I think Fuller... Kyle Fuller is an excellent player. I think Prince Amukamara is a very good player in a matchup zone scheme where they have some help from the safety and they can kind of keep their eyes on the quarterback more. I don't think they're pure man-to-man defenders downfield, though. 
And that system under Pagano is going to ask them to do that, and I, it's, it, they'll be good but not great at it. Worth, worth noting, and I think Ryan has a, a next question, but I just want to point this out, the out-of-division quarterbacks that they're going to face this year, because that matters, right? If you're bringing heat and you've got veteran quarterbacks who can recognize it, uh, they have the Broncos with Joe Flacco, veteran quarterback, and obviously coached by Vic Fangio, so he'll know the personnel. Uh, you have the Redskins. Case Keenum should still be starting then, but the Redskins stink. We won't worry about them. Uh, Derek Carr, Raiders. And then it gets a little hairy after the bye because it's Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Eli Manning slash Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, and uh, Patrick Mahomes. So that's not exactly an easy match. <laughs> group of guys to, to just blitzkrieg uh, after after the bye. So if we stay that's in the a division, great point, Will. Yeah, and it's an okay point. It's not great. That's a pretty good uh, point. So if, we, if you stay in the division, <laughs> Andy, go to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder because he always has a chip on his shoulder. We've seen reports about him and Lafleur, maybe. Not being best friends. I don't think that it's, it's clearly the animosity isn't where it was with Mike McCarthy. Uh, how's this going to work? It, um, LaFleur is four years older than Aaron Rodgers. We know that Aaron Rodgers thinks he's really smart and he seems like a smart guy. He won Jeopardy, but can he be coached? Can he be coached by someone who's basically went to high school in the same high school class? How's that going to work out? That's the most interesting question in the NFL to me this season. And, um, you know, I have heard some coaches say, notable named coaches who know what they're doing, I've heard them say, I don't think I'd want Aaron Rodgers because I don't think he is coachable. I've heard other other coaches say, like, I'll take any problem Rodgers brings. He's, he, he is still the greatest talent we've seen, and he's very smart. Why wouldn't you want that at quarterback? Here's what we know, guys. Green Bay's offense under Mike McCarthy, it did not ask Rodgers to play on schedule. It was a very loose offense in terms of timing. A lot of isolation routes, spread formations, which is how you get some of the isolation routes. That's why it was easy for Rodgers to change a play a lot because the plays were not complex and there weren't a lot of layers to them. LaFleur is almost the opposite of that. He tightens the formations. All the routes are combined with each other. Nobody runs an isolation route. They're all working as some kind of pattern together. And there's not as much room for audibles because you're motioning and shifting a lot before the snap with this approach. And these designs create answers within the play by default. You have answers for multiple coverage based on how the play is designed. The whole key to those designs, though, is the quarterback getting the ball out on schedule. And LaFleur just so happens to have a reputation as one of the most anal on-schedule dictators in the NFL. He wants that ball out exactly when the play says to get it out. And he's had young QBs before, so it's one thing to coach those guys. But now he's got maybe the most talented who's ever done it, who doesn't play that style, and is a little bit of a hard-headed personality, I'm guessing. I've never met Rodgers, but it sounds like he might be. So that's what makes it interesting to me, guys. And I do think they need LaFleur in there, or at least they need the system he brings and teaches so well because Rodgers has gone, fails the wrong word because he's too dynamic to ever be stale. But, you know, we act like Aaron Rodgers is this flawless god of a QB, guys. And, and he's a great player, but he's been to one Super Bowl, and they've been under 500 the last couple years. He wasn't on the field for all of it, but he was for a lot of it. He's not a flawless quarterback. He needed a little bit of a reprogramming. He could be a close to flawless QB, but, again, he needs reprogrammed. Look at Patrick Mahomes, who's very similar stylistically to Rodgers. Mahomes plays in a highly schemed offense in Kansas City, and that offense kind of regulates him a little bit and, and, and in a good way. He's a better player because of it. Is Matt LaFleur a good hire, given what you just said? If you're looking for a head coach after Mike McCarthy, knowing that Aaron Rodgers is hard-headed, knowing that he doesn't do things on time, does that make sense, that hire? Um, I mean, that's that now that gets into a personality question, which is a hard one to answer. I know if you wanted to take umbrage with it and say, well, they shouldn't hire LaFleur, you could say, well, they should hire Josh McDaniels because that's someone who has uh, also a very detailed system and has worked with top level, big personality QBs before. I think LaFleur is an excellent coach though. And you know, maybe they're looking at this from a bigger perspective than just Rogers. I don't know if, if I would, if I were them, but you know, they could be. So I would say LaFleur is a good hire, but it's, it's, it's not a perfect personality fit from all appearances. That's, <laughs> that's probably valid. Mm. Uh, one, I, I think, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, and I just want to be personality fit, meaning his personality mixed with Rogers. I'm, I'm not saying either guy is right or wrong, but like they, you know, they might be two different types of people. But then again, that could also be a good thing for some guys. I imagine Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning didn't have a lot of similar personality traits either. 
which is why it's hard to get into that because we're just kind of guessing at, at emotions then. Yeah, I, I, I liken the, the idea of LaFleur coming in to um, Todd Haley joining up with Ben Roethlisberger. They didn't like each other, and it eventually flamed out, but it worked pretty well for a little while. And Ken Wisenhunt and Phillip Rivers, you know, two veteran quarterbacks who'd sort of gotten in stale offenses and needed to have things shook up a little bit for them. The, the question I think you pointed out correctly, Andy, is will Aaron Rodgers adjust to what Matt LaFleur wants him to do and stay on on, on task? And I, I would say he might do it, but the little th- – this is why the, the, pra- the, the the mixed practice squabble thing, I know it's not a big deal, but it, it's just it's such a layup. Why are you doing this? Um, I, I have a question about another yeah. team, another team in that division. I don't know why we're only covering northern divisions today, but that's fine. Um, I, I am of the opinion that the uh, number one most underrated hire in the entire NFL offseason was Gary Kubiak for the Minnesota Vikings. Am I right or wrong? Um, I, I think you're a little bit of both. I understand bringing in Kubiak. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's it, and the idea and the principle behind it, matching the system to the players there, and it's what Kirk Cousins has run. That's spot on. I would say this, Kubiak, though, the, one of the guys that was big on bringing in Kubiak was Kevin Stefanski, their offensive coordinator, who everybody thinks is getting supplanted by Kubiak. Stefanski's still going to be calling those plays, and he's going to, to design a lot of the passing game. And he is another young – nobody talks about him, but he is a young, innovative passing game mind. So mixing Kubiak with Stefanski and creating a really veteran-slash-youthful staff – although Stefanski's a veteran coach anymore, he just happens to be young – I think that's a really good setup in Minnesota overall. But I don't know if it's just about Kubiak. I think he's the final piece to a, a, a secretly – Silently, really good puzzle. Uh, my last question for you, Andy. Can Bruce Arians fix Jameis Winston? We know what Bruce <laughs> did with Ben Roethlisberger, with Andrew Luck, with Carson Palmer. So he, he spans the gamut in terms of young, young and old quarterbacks. Coach of the year, he's back coaching. Jameis has struggled with consistency. He was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is something you don't want in your resume. And this is his last hurrah in Tampa Bay in the last year, that $20.9 million deal. Is Bruce the guy to fix him? It's interesting because Arians, he has the personality, obviously, and he's very cut and dried and to the point. And I, my guess is that's a great personality to coach Winston with, and Winston can more than take that and is probably eager to learn. I'm of the belief, and I've talked about this with some other coaches who, who have had reclamation projects at quarterback and have done it successfully. I think in order to get your QB righted and to get him to be a better decision maker, you have to regulate him with your scheme not with your message. So Arians might litter the field with some cuss words and tell Winston, hey, you don't throw that ball, you know, check it down or whatever he's going to tell him. We don't need those interceptions, but that's not going to do any good. You've got to call plays that encourage and maybe even force Winston to play safer. And that's not the nature of Bruce Arians' system. And those quarterbacks you just named, they're all great because they're big, strong pocket passers who can extend plays late into the down. And that's what Arians' scheme demands of guys. So Winston's a little bit of an erratic thrower. He, he's smart, but he makes some dumb decisions at times. And that system... I don't want to say encourages that, but that's that's an easy hole to fall into if you're running that that aggressive passing game that Arians has. Well, and, and part of the problem too with Jameis, like we all think of like Jameis has got a cannon. Bruce Arians love guys who wing it downfield, no risk it, no biscuit. I mean, that's the crap I say if I'm on the radio with somebody. But one of the things I was talking about with a buddy the other day is, and I hadn't really thought this through, like. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer are really accurate downfield passers. And I don't know, and maybe you yes. think he is, but Jameis Winston isn't necessarily an accurate downfield passer. He's just a guy who can chunk it, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. He And, and he is very good at the deep intermediate ranges. He is not good on vertical routes, though. So there's a little bit of a ceiling on the type of downfield passes he can do. Because I think if you get beyond 25 yards – or anything where the ball has to hang in the air a little bit, I don't think he's a very good thrower at all. It's when he can uncork the cannon, so to speak, that's kind of a mixed metaphor, but where he can <laughs> zing the ball in there, like you're saying, uh, that's, I think, where he is, where he's excellent. But, again, he's uh, yes, we're agreeing. He has to regulate his decision-making there, too. Um, okay, uh, I know you got, I got somewhere to be, but I got a couple, I got a couple more quick hitters for you. Uh, thoughts on Norv Turner's offense and how it, like, and how surprised you were with what he did with Cam Newton and the weapons, sort of modernizing what he had done in the past and, and, and what do you think the outlook for the Panthers is this year? 
Uh, I think the outlook is good, not great. They, they they don't have an overly talented passing game around Newton. It's still a vertical passing game, which is what Norv has always done for the most part, and it's what you have to do with Cam. I think he's that kind of thrower. What I really like is the way they've used McCaffrey in it, kind of like what we talked about with the Steelers. They do it out of a totally different looks and concepts, but the end result is similar. They're building underneath throws for the running back. McCaffrey, about 90% of his catches – come on routes out of the backfield. He's not Alvin Kamara where he's lining up all over, over the formation and running routes that way. He can do that, but that's, that's really not how Cam Newton plays. So they don't ask McCaffrey to do that a whole lot. They get him on check downs and that's a great use of him. And I would imagine they'll continue to expand that. Um, all right. One more for you. I saw that you wrote on SI.com. Is it S is it, is it the MMQB? Am I, I, I want to make sure I'm citing this correctly. Is it, it's the MMQB.com, but it's on SI. Or what is it? What's the? Do you even know? What's the? Yeah, you know, it, yeah, <laughs> I figured it out eventually. It's um, it's it's SI and MMQB is SI's NFL section, right? Basically, right, right, right. Okay, but I, I just wanted to know what to reference. Either way, people should check out SI.com/slash/NFL because Andy's great work is there. I note that you wrote. I noticed that you wrote ten. Well. On Friday, you wrote, last week, you wrote that uh, a Dolphins preview and some quick hitters. Josh, two things stuck out of me. Josh Rosen becomes the franchise QB. Uh, it, very interesting. And then bottom line, this team is rebuilding but not tanking. This will be a difficult year made brighter by a few upset wins. Sounds like you're bullish on both the Dolphins and Josh Rosen. Yeah, I am. I know. Tustin, what do you guys think of this? I, I struggle with what do we call him. I think he's going to be – the long-term answer at quarterback for their franchise. And that's kind of what I mean by when we say franchise QB, we think, Oh, superstar 10 year pro bowler. I don't know if I'm saying that with Rosen. I do think the dolphins will settle on him as their guy though. I think Andy, I think that what we've seen from what we saw from him on, um, on Thursday night in the preseason was disturbingly identical to what we saw from him with Arizona, except more creative in terms of what Chad O'Shea was implementing. I mean, this is a guy who is clearly, clearly has all the talent in the world, is willing to make big throws under pressure, can make big throws when given time, but just keeps landing these spots where he doesn't have an offensive line. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's exactly right. And uh, O'Shea's system is a good fit for Rosen stylistically. He's a timing and rhythm, precision accuracy passer. What he must really be careful about is trying to do too much because I think there's some pressure on him now, and he probably does hear a little bit of the people like you and me talking about him. Oh, what's he, you know, what is he? Is he, is he going to work out or not? And he, if he can be in the, I, you know, if, honestly, guys, if I were the Dolphins, I'd tell him, hey, Josh, you're starting all 16 games no matter what happens. You're our guy this year because I don't understand what the point of giving reps to Fitzpatrick is with all due respect to him, but they are very much rebuilding there. And let's get Rosen comfortable and give him a chance to find his identity as an NFL QB because his style of play translates very well to the NFL. A lot of other guys have had success playing that way. It's a matter of him consistently accessing that style. He didn't have a chance to do that in Arizona. I don't think any rookie QB would have in those circumstances. I'd like to see him get as much of a chance as possible in Miami, but it's not a great setup there either. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Andy. Uh, I know you, you're busy. You got stuff to do. You got to go, uh, cavort with NFL rookies in, um, Pis, uh, where is it? Piscataway? Parsippany, New Pars- York. Yeah, I got to go get Zion Williamson's autograph here in a second. Parsippany, New York definitely sounds like somewhere that Bill Parcells has eaten a large, like, Reuben at a deli. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it? Like, um, yeah, no, I, I, it's New Jersey. Did I say New York? I think it's Persephone, New Jersey. Yes, yeah, yes, New, New Jersey. Jersey. Right, yeah, right, right. yeah, because you yeah. got you got to stay in Jersey if you want to stay away from the city. Okay, follow him at Andy underscore Benoit on Twitter. Make sure to read him on si dot com slash NFL. I wish, I mean, we kept you forever, but I wish we'd have more time because you're a blast to talk to, Andy, and uh, and don't and one of the one of the smartest guys in uh, in the biz. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you guys. Thanks.